0: (laughs) Thank you, Leslie and Paul, and good to see you all here today. So, you're probably wondering where we're going to go. We've been uh, immersed in Mark primarily, but in the Gospels, uh, looking at Jesus Christ. I think we got there initially was to show His power, and He had power. We saw Him having power over demons, power over creation, power over... Anybody else remember anything? What did you say, nature so far? And Cre- creation, yeah, uh, demons, death. disease, death. Death. death, yeah, death. That's where we just left him, actually, uh, not very many weeks ago. Literally, that was the part that he came to do. And in, uh, in the Gospels, he finished what the Father sent him to do. And that was to redeem mankind from sin. That was the whole purpose, that God had to become man. Emmanuel, God with us. In those four Gospels, uh, we've been, I, so we've kind of been planted on Mark, but we've been bouncing around, if you will. Last week we found ourselves in Luke. Um, we found that literally that he finished his work, his redemptive work for mankind. And it was like passing the baton. That was what I used last week as a, as a passage of a baton. He's literally taking the gospel, the good news, that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, First Corinthians chapter 15. He was buried according to the Scriptures, and He rose again according to the Scriptures. That has the gospel in its entirety, literally, in that condensed and very concise form. But Jesus really just started that. I mean, it's like, what if you are... So here's the question I have for you. What if you would end in John... Let's let's just take your Bibles. We're gonna we are gonna read a passage today, but I'm setting you up because you have no idea where we're going, right? Or maybe I maybe maybe you do. And let's go to John chapter 21, and uh, actually go to Luke. Let's just go where we were last week to Luke uh, chapter 24, and we were taking the great commission, which is passing the baton, getting the word out, literally to the entire world. It wasn't, and that's a real that was a real struggle, actually, the fact that the Jews would have seen the message, the Messiah, the good news, the gospel, the coming kingdom, as that would have been very slanted towards them exclusively. And we know from previous scriptures, Matthew, uh, where he was literally looking over the city of Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Oh, if you would, I would have been as a mother hen gathering her chicks. But you would not. Therefore, you will not see me, literally, as a nation until the very end. In Zechariah chapter 10, and verse 12, I believe it is. At any rate... It was like at that moment, something changed. It was a bigger view. You're here today. I don't think any one of you have Jewish descent or have come from Judaism as a background. You're here because literally the Jews said, we don't want that Jesus. We have our own that must be coming sometime. Because of that decision, literally you as Gentiles can taste of God's grace. If that isn't wonderful, if that isn't a hallelujah moment, I can't give you one better. That's fantastic. And here we are because the Jews literally just said, away with you. The religious leaders who were the ones that were leading the country around, by the nose, literally, said, we don't want any more of this Jesus. He said, show me. They said, show us a sign. I would have to say as they sent guards to surround the tomb, maybe not surround it, but guard the tomb, and they had a seal on it, and an earthquake comes and blows that place out, and there's an angel there, and those guards, those Roman guards went to the religious leaders and told them what happened. I don't know how much more of a sign you'd need. But they had chosen to disbelieve. That's why people believe in evolution. You know the formula for evolution. Nothing plus nobody. plus Actually, it's nobody times nothing. Plus time equals everything. Now, if that isn't crazy, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, salvation is just as simple. Jesus Christ plus nothing equals salvation. Don't add anything to what he did. He bought it, he paid for it, you receive it by faith. That's fully Grace on Exhibition. But let's say, Uh, he's passed this word on. Let's, Let's read our passage from last week. In verse 44 it starts this way, Luke chapter 24, And he said unto them, These are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. He said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and the repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Mark that, Jeff, mark that, okay? And you are witnesses of these things, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And then this, is, this next little passage, we didn't, we didn't read last week, but let's just keep going. And he led them out as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them, carried up into heaven. They worshipped him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They were continuing in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. Amen. And then what if, what if that was the end until, let's start, I want you to go to Romans chapter 1 now. Romans chapter 1, we just end Luke and we go to Romans chapter 1 and I'll start reading for just a little bit. Romans 1.1, 1, 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets and holy scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh, declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of the holiness. And if you go on through Romans, you know what you find yourself? There's some stuff missing. How do you jump from the gospels to Romans? God in all of his wisdom had Luke do a volume two. Volume one was Luke, the gospel of Luke. We find here that he came to the end, passing the baton on, which was just literally the beginning of the work. Wait a minute, I thought Jesus said it was finished. He did, he finished the redemptive work. But now I wanna say, what would happen if Acts was not in your Bible? Oh, would you miss stuff? You would miss so much stuff. In fact, there's so many things that are filled in I can't wait to fill it in. And Luke, the author of the Gospel of Luke, obviously, he also wrote the second volume of his set to Theophilus. In fact, let's go to Luke chapter 1 now for a moment. And then we're going to read our text right after this. Luke chapter 1, and let's take a look. Verses 1 through 4. Now, Luke and, and uh, Acts probably are the only, two pa- the only two books in the New Testament that are literally written by a Gentile. Luke, the physician. Here we go. Luke, chapter one, verse one. For as much as men, I'm sorry. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. This is like the exact truth. Now that sounds and resonates with me today. I want to know the exact truth. I don't know if you Google a lot of stuff, or you watch a lot of stuff, or you listen to a lot of stuff, or you see. There isn't a lot of truth floating around. And he says, I want the exact truth. Praise God. That was that guy. That's the physician, Luke. He was very exacting, even though, I'm sorry, verse 2, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses. We were eyewitnesses. Luke was there. And ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding. There again, you see it. Perfect understanding. Pure truth of all things from the very first to right unto thee, in order, most excellent Theophilus. This is the man we know nothing about. It means friend of God. There's nothing else we know about them, but this volume set, volume one, volume two, were written directly to this Theophilus. Verse four. That thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. This, you can see that Luke is absolutely historically wanting to pound home the truth. With that, let's go to Acts chapter one now and we'll read our text. Acts chapter 1, and we'll read verses 1 through 11. We'll not get anywhere near through that, but it helps us set it up. Because what he's doing now is he's going to build a bridge. Luke is going to build a bridge from Luke, the end. Where did we leave us? There was an ascension. And then what? It was like, now what? What do we do now? Jesus isn't here. What are we going to do? Right? And now it's just the end. Have you ever liked those? Or to be continued... You've probably had watched those television shows or movies or whatever. To be continued. You're like, no! You know, bring it on right now. Well, honestly, this entire work, this volume 1, volume 2 set, were really produced in a very short time. And probably Luke was written in 60 A.D., Acts 61. It was, it was a compact one, 2 So now here we go, Acts one-one. Acts the former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus... "...began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he was through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his a passion, by many infallible proofs being, being seen I'm sorry, of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God." And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, You have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in His own power. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto Me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. When He had spoken these things, while they beheld, He was taken up, and a cloud received Him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as He went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said... You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner, as you have seen him go into heaven. May God add a special blessing in the reading with word. And let's just pause for prayer before we go farther in our study. Father, here we are, we're soaking in the word. We're asking that you would reveal to us even more of you, as we see you more clearly. May our eyes be focused. On a God that so sovereignly, so righteously, so judiciously found a way to redeem mankind. When man fell in the Garden of Eden at the bidding of Satan, you knew before that happened it would happen. You know our needs before we do. In Ephesians 1.4, it says that you chose us in Him, Christ, before the foundation of the world incomprehensible, the love that you showed before there was a beginning. Father, we're here to worship. We're here to praise your name. We are here to hear from you. As the Holy Spirit uses the word to guide and direct our thoughts, we would ask that he exclusively would be our teacher today. We thank you again for those that are here. We ask that you'd be with them, their families, their situations. You know that better than they do. The challenges that are before them. The battle weariness, Father, even of this last week, at times is overwhelming. But we've won the war because you won the war. May we respond with faith and focus in our Lord Jesus Christ, whose name we pray. Amen. So, Luke again, coming back to Luke for a moment, um, Here's a guy that walked with Jesus, or at least was a witness. He was right there. Uh, Not an apostle, but was right there for 30 years. From the point of where Jesus left until these were written, it's about 30 years. That's the period of which Acts, the church growing, if you will, is the period of time. I love, I, I used, I looked at those words very, very, cam- I wanted you to see it very clearly that Luke is not just a matter of fact, throw stuff on the wall, that's close enough. Like some of this abstract art we see. What do you see there? <laughs> a mess, right? And then they come up with this, well, you really have to get inside. And you, you know, if you, if you just, if you really, really put your purse, no, I'm sorry, I can't, I'm not that good. And Luke wanted it very clear, very exact, very truthful in every aspect. you got to love that today, don't you? The spin that goes on from political to religious to, right, I could go on. It's all got to spin. And you know what Luke's spin was? Hard, exact truth. That's what I love. His history wasn't tainted by what he wanted it to be, as it is today, in wokeness or awake or whatever, falling asleep, whatever they want to call this stuff. They're crazy because history is what it is, because it should be built on truth. That's exactly what those thirty years that Luke unfolded and put down into this what we call the Acts. It's been called the Acts of the Holy Spirit as well. The Holy Spirit is coming on scene. There's a very big transition coming right now. Jesus has ascended. That's where Luke left you in Volume One. The to be continued version. You have to wait. How many of you are really good at waiting? It's fun to wait, isn't it? You know, I'm already mad when I go in the doctor's office. Waiting room, right? You're already, what? And they use it appropriately in most cases. Well named. Well named. But here is, here is Luke, Dr. Luke. He was a great friend of Paul as well, we'll find as we go through, as we traverse through the book of Acts, you will find him to be very close to him. In fact, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 14, I believe it is, which our men study, uh, we're just beginning, just getting going on Thursday evenings, and you will find, in fact, he's noted as the beloved physician. Paul is very close to this Luke. Um, There's a lot we could say about Luke. Luke. One of the things I want to come back to before I forget it, last week we talked about, uh, it was a question that was raised, of the Galilee, Jerusalem, stay here, where are they at, where did Jesus meet them, all of that sort of thing, correct? Remember that? And the one passage we were using in Luke seems to be just a little bit foggy in where the Great Commission was given. If we go to Matthew, it seems rather clear that it was given in Galilee, so, let's first of all, take let's re, re, review for a moment. If we go back into Mark, which was the book that we've spent the most uh, time in kind of base head, headquartering in, let's go back to Mark chapter uh, 16, and this is the sightings after the resurrection. And He told them in verse uh, 6, Mary Magdalene and the the, the the women, He said unto them in verse 6, be, this is uh, Mark sixteen six. Be not affrighted. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. Okay? Uh, let's go back to Matthew for a moment. Let's make sure that that, that seems to be a, a level that we certainly see. Now, even before that, I want, this is something that I hadn't spent time on doing because it's in Matthew. But go to Matthew chapter 26. This would actually be uh, prior to his betrayal. Okay? It's, it's, it's before he's crucified, it's before the hearings, the trials to the high priest. And, and, and so forth. So, let's start in verse 31 of chapter 26 of Matthew. Then saith Jesus unto them, All you shall be offended, speaking to the disciples, because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. Now, this is actually right after the last time that they commune that we call the Last Supper. It's the last time they've done this, and He's now speaking to them candidly as they're going to the Garden of Gethsemane. Look at verse 32. But after I am risen again... Now, that must have just like, uh, what? They didn't hear any of it, because look at what else he said. I will go before you into Galilee. Galilee. He said that even before he was dead. Do you think there's something here that they've heard before? Absolutely. And you can go on to Matthew, see if I can find it, uh, chapter 28. Just flip over to chapter 28. And we'll start in verse 6 once again. He is not here. We've read this in Mark's uh, gospel. He is not here. He's risen, for he said, as he said, come, see the place where the Lord lay Go quickly. Tell his disciples he is risen from the dead, and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. They departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples word. As they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them. This is, this is him speaking. Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee. Okay. I don't think there's any question about where they're supposed to go. Now where it gets a little the part I think uh, the question was asked is in Luke. Let's go back to Luke chapter 24. And the, and the one that messes with us a little bit is after giving this great commission, this passing the baton of the gospel's Uh, reaching is, which we find actually in Acts, did you see that, how he built that bridge? We read it this morning uh, in Acts chapter 1 through 11. And after, it's kind of like if you've watched a program and there's been this like, to be continued, you know what they do first when you come back? They review it. So you get you right to the same point, is literally what he's doing in verses 1 through 11 of Acts. But here we go. Let's read this together again. Verse 44, Luke chapter 24, he says unto them, To the disciples. These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses, in the prophets, in the Psalms concerning me. Then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. That, my friends, is fantastic. They had seen the scriptures to this point very Jewish, very direct. The heart was not a problem, it was a Roman problem. Jesus came to fix a heart problem because that's what all mankind needed. They saw the kingdom coming immediately when that Messiah would literally blow the doors off. He's crowned king, if you will, riding on a donkey on Monday of Passion Week. What would happen to you if you would see this one, your Savior, the Messiah, to be crucified, hanging on a cross on a Friday of the same week that you had just said, there he is. There's our king. You talk about wipe it out and pull the rug out from underneath of you. That's it. That's it. That's it. But here He is. He's back. He's showing them what the Scriptures really mean. The Old Testament. He would have went to Daniel. would have to many places A Seminar 101 of Jesus speaking from the Old Testament. Now, the verse that got us, was a question, was verse 49. Behold, it's part of the same conversation, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Now, where, do you, where is He at when He's giving this, this commission? Come on, all of the stuff I've read in Galilee. That's where they went. That's where he spoke it. That's where he passed the baton. This is where it gets a little bit different, right? Verse 49, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Now, what that messes with your head is you think they're in Jerusalem right then. Right? That's where you were coming from, Jeff, correct? Okay. Now, if you followed the rest of the passage we went into Matthew, all of Matthew, Mark, that Galilee is where Jesus met them. That's literally where He gave them the picture, the great mission. Here's where he, this is where verse 49 fits in. Is let's read it together again. After understanding the scriptures, verse 45, verse 46 says this: He said unto them, "Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations." beginning at Jerusalem. That's where it's going to start. In other words, it's like, okay, we're in Galilee. We're giving you the commission. Now, it's going to start with the Jews in Jerusalem. If you add to that the same thing they said. Now, listening to that, let's look at verse 49 again. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, which will be coming, the Holy Spirit, me adding that, and tarry or stay in the city of Jerusalem. They're not there. They're going there. Because that's where it all starts. If you read the first beginning in Jerusalem, the last part makes it all work. Correct? That's what makes it work. So, in other words, they're in Galilee. Now, how do we know they're in Galilee? Do you go to John? Remember that little deal with, with uh, Peter? What did he do? You guys are all good at waiting, too. So is Peter. Well, 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 here we are in Galilee. Guess who's not here right now? Jesus is not here. Have you ever had a health crisis, a money crisis, a crisis of any kind? You're praying to the Father. You're praying to Jesus. You're praying, where are you? I'm here. I need you now. Mary and Martha, case in point, their brother's sick. They send word to Jesus. Jesus dilly-dallies around, if you will. He even says it that way in his own way. Now, we need to wait. Wait. <laughs> how, would he, cell phone, how Can you imagine Mary and Martha having cell phones? You talk about a phone blowing up. Jesus, where are you? Jesus, texting, text-emailing, right? Can you imagine? And Jesus waits. Why did he wait? To show them something even more miraculous, even more powerful than they could have imagined. Because if Jesus would have shown up at their timing... Hey, Lazarus, you look a little puny, buddy, but you'll come out of it. (laughs) (laughs) What would have they said? Jesus has power over disease. But he waited a couple of extra days because he wanted to see, let them see, that he has power over death. I said that loud because that's how big a deal it is. If my Jesus hadn't conquered death, I would not for a second be standing in front of you because he wouldn't be good enough. i got to have somebody that can handle the death problem. I want to be able to look in the obituaries and know that my Jesus is bigger than that. One day, mine will be there. I will be between 1961 and whatever that is. I'm in the dash line. It's about, what, I'm 61 going on after this week. It feels like 101. <laughs> Boy, I'm battle-weary today. <clears throat> and some of you are as well. But my Jesus made it possible, not only possible, made it reality for me to be in the turning with him forever. Because Jesus died for my sin. It's real. And you know how we know it's true? Because he rose from the dead. If he would still be laying in state, just like Muhammad, just like anybody else. What was that other guy from God, Jim Jones or whatever? He didn't go anywhere. See how big a deal it is? That's the Jesus we're worshiping. That's the one Luke told the story of. That's the one that John says, there's no one could even talk about, write all of it down of what he's done to prove that he is the son of God, the Messiah. Unbelievable. And it's all going to start in Jerusalem. So I want you to be there. And the disciples went there, because in John chapter 21, there's Peter. I got a little bit off. Did you notice it was just a little rabbit trail around the bush and around the trail? Back to Peter, who's not a good waiter. I don't know about you guys. Enough's enough. Let's go fishing. Let's go fishing. Fishing causes a lot of problems. I got some buddies that they think that's the answer, right? And nothing wrong with fishing, by the way. But it seemed almost that they were just going to go back to, because keep in mind, what were they prior? What was their former career? Fishing. They were commercial fish and they were good at it. Amazing how when you go do something that God has not told you to do, you're really not very good at it again. Have you noticed that? You haven't noticed that. I'll tell you what, go ahead and do something that God has not called you to do. You will not be very good at it. These guys are fishing all night long. And all of a sudden out in the morning, you know, just you couldn't really see, you know, it's early, early. And there's a guy on the shore, got a fire going. Throw your nets on the other side of the boat. What? Who's that guy? We're fishermen. And yes, we got skunked tonight. we, we, we didn't get anything. So what do you do? Well, I suppose we've got nothing to lose. Right? Throw on the other side of the boat. They can't, even, they, can't, they can't even hold it all. They can't even bring them all in. And the closer they get, guess who is the one that saw him then for who he was? Peter. He jumps out of the boat and runs to Jesus, right? Isn't that, isn't that fantastic? Well, you know where they're at? They're in Galilee. These instructions came from Galilee. He wanted to be in home country as he's passing baton. He said, Now, guys, you know to go to Jer- You need to go to Jerusalem. Get to Jerusalem. Stay there. Again, isn't that amazing? He wants us to wait on him. Where are you the most strong, the most powerful? When we're weak, waiting on him. It's exactly, that's the secret. Now, uh, this week, there, I, I was, I've been in a lot of storms. I've seen a lot of things. I've been in the cow business most of my life. There were moments this week, I did not know what to do. And I spoke candidly with God about it. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Uh, there was also things I was reminding him of. In Psalms, it says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I also said, and these. I think it was, t- when was the wind so fair? Was it Wednesday night or Tuesday night? I can't remember now. Tuesday, Tuesday and Wednesday were rough, right? So Tuesday night, we've got a, we've got a pasture. I'll try not to make this too long, but the point of the matter is, is this is where you really, become, there's, there's a sense of calmness because you've done what you can do when he's asked you to do it and then there's a point of that's it. That's all I can that's what I'm asked to do. This is literally, again if you would have taken that great commission there's 11 of them there and he said to go to the uttermost part of the world and it's going to start in Jerusalem. Now think about it. No cell phones no internet, no cars Are, are you getting it? Does this look overwhelming? Just like to us today, there's overwhelming moments, aren't there? At any rate, it's getting toward, it's in the afternoon. I've got a pasture of calves that are three days old to a week old. Should be, it's, well, the barn is full. We, we've got nowhere to go. We, we've, we've had to do this. There's No protection. I don't have enough straw to build this fortress, right? What am I going to do? And you can see they're all, you know, it's not going to work. They'll be dead by morning. What do I do? So I mentioned to Lorenda. I said, I don't know. Let's just go put straw in the, in the horse trailers, the big horse trailers, just pitch calves in. If, if they look like they're weak, if, 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 you, know, you just Lorenda will see them as they see them. We pitched 100 calves in these two trailers and drove by the shop so they're out of the north wind. We could, you know, we, we had found a place, right? They did. They were, they were alive. Here's the next problem. This is what I didn't see. It's amazing how God doesn't want you to see everything at once. It's really good that way. It's really. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Because if I would have known when we were pitching the calves into the trailer that the next day the mothers wouldn't know them, I maybe would have second-guessed. But I didn't know that, so it was easy to pitch them in. In fact, the two young lads we had working with us, <laughs> Lorraine, oh, she broke her foot this week too, broke it. So a cow jumped on it, and so her. but We're battle weary, but God is faithful. Let me say that for me. We're battle weary, but God is faithful. So are the cows okay? We're getting there. I'm gonna I'm gonna milk the story. So you just hang on. <laughs> this is this is <laughs> Do I need help with the story? Yeah, I probably do. Yeah. But anyway, so so the next morning I look in the trailer, they're all bedded down in the straw. Cows are extremely unhappy. That's okay. They're okay. Right. So now what I've got to do is gotta move the cows from the place that's still wind blowing. It's I, I couldn't let them out there again because it's the same situation. The wind didn't stop, right? which is becoming abnormal for Sheridan, isn't it? We, not, we didn't used to get wind here. That's why I moved here from North Dakota, which is next to Minnesota, right? We're together in those things. The Oliverios and the John Deers and all... Well, back to the back life. I'm on a roll today. Bro. So here we go. Um, we move them to what I call the bunkhouse. Just It's a small trap, but I've got... I've got protection. So I'm scattering 10 bales of straw. Just make a base. Now we've got to get the cows that know know where their baby was taken. Why would they want to go elsewhere? Exactly. So in my wisdom, I thought, well, let's just take the trailer that they know the calves are in, that is a bellering. It's, it's like you talk about bellering on steroids. You've got a lot of calves that all have vocal cords that are working well. <laughs> so we drive the trailer into the tra- into, into the group thinking, we're going to follow the trailer right. to the gate, because our calf was taken here. I <laughs> ah, missed that one. So anyway. Many more moments of whatever. We finally get them all in there. Whew. Close the gates. Here we go. I don't have enough time to literally one by one, right? So you got, we got tag numbers, that's how we do it. Every cow has the same, the calf is tagged. So this is simple, this is simple. Here's 792, and this is real, I'm not making this up. 792 is a black cow, she's 11 years old, we have a black calf, sticks out in the grid group. I grab 792 and I give it to her and she says, That is not mine. (laughs) Now, in Larry's mind right now, it's going like this. If she can't get that right, we're in deep trouble. So I share that with the rest of my team, which didn't want to hear any of that. So finally, we got, so what we did, I'll tell you what we did. We opened the trailer gates and we threw them, no, I mean, pushed them all out. I didn't throw them, but pushed them all in the straw and we left because we couldn't, Handle the depression. We didn't know what to do. Here's another one. Of the, what do you do, right? But somebody's going to get some of them right, and the best thing you do is go go work on something else. Go deal with something else. There's two things in this business that I say: take what it gives you. I mean, when there's opportunities, you take them. Don't make them. Take them. And then the second one is, and this I live. This is I shared it with the, the boys again last night that I met with. It's always the right time to do the right thing. I live by that. Not, I don't do it all the time. You know what I'm saying? I mean, sometimes you miss that. But if, you, if the country would do that on an individual basis, we would fix this country. If everybody said this, it's the right time to do the right thing. Problems get solved. As a woman of intelligence that I've, I've followed for a long time, I'll leave her unnamed, but she said, you know what? If we as people... Are willing to face our problems, God will fix them. It's true. Easy. At any rate, two days later, Larissa kinda took this mission, and uh, I think we're down to two cows that are not convinced that the calves that have the ear tag of which they were wearing prior to the storm are theirs. But that's a miracle, Fine. That's a that's a miracle. That's a God miracle. So you can hand feed those two babies? We're there we're not we're going to convince them. We're still in the convincing mode. So okay, huh. that's really a Only two? out of that group, out of that wow. group, yeah. yeah. And so far, now there's one calf that froze his leg, his, his legs on that. He got off the, I don't know, just a thing, whatever. I, so so there's, there's, you know, there's, there's numerous losses. But the point of the matter is, that's something I've never done before. 61 years old, I've been in North Dakota in, in vicious conditions, but never have I done it that way before. Wow. Who gave me that idea? God did. And he shared just what I needed because if he'd have told me the whole thing, (laughs) I wouldn't have done that. (laughs) There's got to be another way. Isn't that that interesting? When we think about problems and we get so far out there, do you know why we don't follow God? Because we're trying to outthink him. It's true. I've done it. Sorry, I'm probably yelling too out here. You <laughs> don't have a aid, do you? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you are a planner. You're a planner. You're a planner. But I can say as difficult as it gets, God is bigger. God is bigger. Every minute. Every minute. And Luke's writing the book of Acts. <laughs> Jesus is leaving. He's left. I would have to say, if I've walked around the planet with Jesus for three years, and he tells me he's leaving, I'm not in favor. I'm going to vote against that. And then toward the end of the tenure, he said, "Well, I've got to go, so that I can send the Comforter." That's the words he used. The Holy Spirit. I'm going to go with you, Jesus. You're. It's going to be better right? It's how we are. We don't like changes. And yet, it was perfect. Because if Jesus hadn't left, then the Holy Spirit wouldn't be in every one of you that's trusted Christ here today. And I'm hoping every one of you has. But if you have, then 1 Corinthians 12, chapter 12 verse 13 says that you have the Holy Spirit. You're a purchased possession, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 to 20. And God doesn't trade or sell you. You have been bought with Jesus Christ's precious blood. That doesn't go on sale. You don't end up in a, what's the, what's the how come I can't think of it, Craigslist. You're not on Craigslist. We were talking, there's, there's three words up here. <coughs> there's a couple of young men that I met with that, and I let them run. I said, how was your week? And they unloaded. And they unloaded. And most of it had to do with People. People the people I were working with. It was tough. Through jealousy, anger. It was just, and you could fit, you know. I said, could I use the word, were you annoyed? That's a really good word. I said, well, you were also distracted. When you're annoyed, you're distracted. And when you're distracted, God's not getting you, or he's not getting done what he wants you to do. I said, you have three enemies in the world. And I started with a blank. I let them think about it long enough that they had no idea what I wanted, which is perfect because then they're ready to receive. Satan is the deceiver. He uses the world as a tool in other people. We don't fight it. The enemy's not the other person. That's not the other person. It's easy for us to see that person. But Satan uses the world and then the internal part of us, that flesh that never goes away. Boy, if I would vote for something to go away, it would be the flesh. Even Paul in Romans chapter 7, I would, but I don't want to do. And I can't do what I want to do. Isn't that the way it is? Add some world, add some Satan, and game on. Game on. And yet my Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to live within me when I trust him that's a game changer. That truly is a game changer. If you have the Holy Spirit living within you, and by the way, by the way, Satan, he is a roaring lion. I asked the question of them last night, what is the opposite, or who is the opposite of God? And one of them said, Satan. And I said, I knew you would say that. Well, well, I said where you bought into that was you had the good evil thing right evil and good are opposite and actually evil is just the lack of good you would not know that there's evil if there wasn't good think of that for a moment but there is no opposite to god and then then the other young man what do you mean there's no opposite to god you know in other words it's the good evil thing i said because everything else is created and God is uncreated. There's no equal. That's why he wins all the time. (sighs) Satan can only be in one place at one time, and if you are God's possession, that is that you've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, not any place in this Bible, nowhere in this world, no place in this universe, will Satan have the opportunity, he or his demon, to be within you and possessing you as God's chosen person. That is fantastic news. Didn't say he couldn't mess with you. Externally, he can bring a game. He's bringing a game against us in this valley. He's bringing a game against you if you're trusting Christ. If you want to do something for God, you will have him in your face. Look at Job for a moment. I'm glad the book of Job is written. I'm glad Job had a bad, right? Because I can go back and I can say, look at that. Look at that. God was there protecting him. Ultimately, making Job stronger. At the end, Job is four times the Job that he was when he started in chapter one. Count it all joy, brethren, when you fall in the various trials and temptations, for the trying of your faith worketh patience. I didn't say I like to sign up for it, but it's right there, isn't it? Yeah, it's there, isn't it? That's the deal. That's the fine print, the good fine print. Let's go to Acts. Our time is slipping. Acts chapter one. The former treatise. Now he's bringing it back together. The conclusion, if you will, volume two is to be just be unfolded. He's building a bridge, putting the two together. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all. Watch carefully now. For all that Jesus finished, began. Did you see it? Jesus just began in the Gospels. To, to what? to do and teach. Have you ever had someone, a parent, we we take the biggest rap. You just do what I tell you and not what I do. (laughs) You ever said that? Uh, No, I did never say that, right? But sometimes if the child who knows all of your weaknesses, parents, let's be honest, my five kids know my weaknesses better than anyone else. Because they've been exposed to it, right? Did you see what Jesus Christ, that's what it's, his witness is so magnanimous because he did what he taught. He did what he said. There's our example. If we would do what we say, it would change the world, wouldn't it? How many people, was it Gandhi. I should, have, I should have gotten his, his quote, but Gandhi said, you know, I would become a Christian if it wasn't for Christians. Right? <laughs> it's true. It's, the sad part of it is it's true. We're our own worst enemy. I'm so glad that that little verse is right there, that Jesus Christ began to do and to teach. He was who he said he was. Again, we're not perfect. I'm not sitting here. I'm not. I'm not pointing any fingers at anyone because myself, I'm a, just a weak vessel. God is teaching me stuff every single day. He's making me, thank goodness, so Romans chapter eight verse twenty-nine, just a little bit more like Jesus. He's conforming me to the image of His Son. Isn't that fantastic? And Philippians one six, He's faithful to complete the task. God's not going to give up. Doesn't take time outs. Oh, I've had it with Melhoff. Just, that, that, that Mel. I tell you, i I got to take a break from this guy. He doesn't do that. He just says, Larry, I love you. I love you. Just come back. Just come back. Let me help you up, right? That's who God is when I've trusted him as Savior. If you haven't, unfortunately, you are an enemy of God. You're at war against God. I would much rather be at war against Satan than to be at war against God. If you don't know God personally, if you don't know Jesus Christ personally, if you've not trusted Him in His saving grace through His precious redemptive blood, then you are at war with God. That does not have a good ending. That does not have a good ending. But the gospel, the gospel, the right message. Let's keep going. Verse 2, "...until the day in which he was taken up his ascension after that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments." That's interesting. He's like a commander-in-chief that's absent from the operation, uh, from sight. The Holy Spirit is bidding the war, "...had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive." After his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Think of those 40 days where Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He's fully, fully alive. And he's met with them numbers of times. Having Bible seminars. Again, I I can't imagine being on the road to Emmaus, that little seven-mile jaunt from Jerusalem north. And Jesus just starts walking with you. just shows up. Who are you? I don't know. I'm just going to Emmaus. You know, I'm probably beyond. What are you guys talking about? You don't know what's going on in Jerusalem? What, are you the only guy that doesn't know what's going on? Jesus? They're just in total disbelief. And they're talking to him who was just crucified. And he starts taking the Old Testament scriptures they totally had no idea about and opens it up and they said something. And this is why biblical training, biblical teaching, the Holy Spirit working with God's Word in your heart, it's like a burning within your very soul when truth matches and meets what the Spirit wants you to know. Isn't it true? It's absolutely true. And those two disciples, that was crazy. And then they see Jesus, and just like that, he's gone. And they go, where? they got to tell somebody. They go back to Jerusalem at a high rate of speed. And guess where the disciples are? behind a locked door, because they're afraid. And Jesus responded with what? Peace. That is the most important thing that they could have heard. Then, when their Savior was dead, and you know what we need today? Peace. Peace. Grace and peace. Paul always, in fact, he addresses in every letter that he has, it's grace and then peace. As God gives grace, there's peace that goes with it. Getting the right message. That's very important today. <clears throat> How many messages are really truly the gospel? Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried according to the scriptures. He rose again. That's the message. How many times has been tainted, maligned, misread, added to? Often. Often. Verse 4, "...and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, You have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel?" Now, to us, we say, can they just not break that paradigm? Are they just struggling? Yes, they are struggling with this. Because in their mind, when the Holy Spirit comes, that's in Joel chapter 2 or Ezekiel chapter 36, that's the end. There's a mystery to the end. Every generation since this one, the beginning of the last days, has felt that Jesus Christ could come back. We'll see this in a moment. We know where Jesus Christ is going to land for for the second coming. His second coming is going to be on the Mount of Olives. Except, in other words, rather than ascending, he's going to come down, that baby's going to split wide open. They're going to know who he is this time. He's not a baby in a manger. This is their judge. This is the one that literally will seal the deal on justice. And we know where it's going to happen. Every generation before us, back to this time, has always looked, those that have trusted Christ for salvation have seen that as living in the last days. How many have come to you probably in the last number of months and said, do you think we're living in the last days? Yeah, we are. It's lasted 2,000 years already. These are the last days. But we're, these are more last days, aren't we? Revelation's never made so much sense. We're at the end. Now, again, God could, could linger another 1,000 years to him. One day is 1,000. But we're moving quickly. The technology that can be used for good, we're at a level now where it's being used for evil at an atrocious, astounding rate. We're close. We're close. That mystery, those disciples felt, is this the time? Is is this when the kingdom comes? Is this when Israel finally wins and we're done? And Jesus says, it's none of your business. Huh. (laughs) But speaking of business, I've got a deal for you. And he says this. Verse 7, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father hath put in His own power, but you shall receive power. Ah, without that you're nothing. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the world. I'm sorry, of the earth it says. And when he'd spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. That's the last words Jesus spoke on this earth. Do you think they meant something? (laughs) You better believe it. And that message is for us. You know, we're actually writing what we could call the 21st volume of this. Every century could have its own volume. We're still doing the work that Jesus Christ began to do and to teach. It's true, isn't it? So, are we about the king's business? There's lots of things to complain about, there's lots of distractions, there's lots of this stuff. That's the bottom line. Nothing else really matters except that. Are you going to heaven? Are you going to meet the Creator? Are you going to meet the Redeemer? Nothing else matters. <clears throat> Nothing else matters. Now, I, I want to do a good job when I'm here, right? I want to be a good steward because God has placed that within us. It's all His stuff. I want to do the best job I can do. But this is still what it's all about. And the great news. You may be battle-weary today. I am. I'm, thank, you for your, thank you for your prayers, as a matter of fact. Thank you for your prayers. It was a tough week. It's been, it's been longer than a week, but you get the idea. The point of the matter is, though, even though I've said it, I'm, I'm going to leave it with this, because this is, this is truly what it's all about. Even though we're engaged in a battle that has us worn out, the war has been won. The war is over. When Jesus Christ said on the cross, It is finished, at that point everything changed. No longer did you have to have a priest. The veil was ripped from the top to the bottom. The Holy of Holies was exposed. No longer was a Passover lamb required. No longer was a sacrificial system needed in any way, shape, or form. Jesus had paid it once and for all. And even though that's review, it's as new as a fresh lily as it's new every morning great is thy faithfulness oh, my god my savior my lord my redeemer praise be to him let's pray father god uh, words do not cannot describe how perfect, how pure, how righteous, how loving you are. And yet, Father, our hearts are bursting with thanksgiving for all that you accomplished through Jesus Christ. As those disciples would have beheld him going and ascending into the clouds, there would have been part of them saying, now what do we do? Jesus had spoken to them on numerous occasions before saying that when I leave you will receive the Holy Spirit. You will receive the Comforter. They had no idea what that meant. But literally the world would be changed forever because of what was accomplished. We bow before you, Father, in humbleness. Lift us up encourage us, hold us close allow us to focus on things that truly are important as we're weary torn put your arms of love around us you would feel the strength of the power of your might we are more than conquerors you've said in Romans more than conquerors We just humbly bow before you, thanking you, your precious and gracious love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.